And this episode of We Need to Talk is brought to you by Black Brew, the darkest, richest, boldest coffee anywhere. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. I'm your host, Melinda, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carmel Humphrey, who's back with me this what week. What is up? And this week, if you have been following me on social media, if you know anything about my life, you know who our special guest mm. is. He is very vocal on my Facebook page, on my Twitter, in my life. He steals my friends. <laughs> uh, we have uh, Drexler Hurd, who is a Democratic political strategist. He is my brother. He is my one of my best friends, and he's got a lot to say. So welcome, Drexel. Hello, everybody. I'm thanks. so excited to be here. I thanks know this is what you've all been waiting for. <laughs> yes. They're actually having people, when I said Drexel's coming, they're like, yes, I can't wait to hear Drexel. If you don't follow us on Facebook, like we're always in uh, talking about something. Right. Like it's just hilarious. And I always have to comment because you know you give the people what they want. Yeah, and you're like the <laughs> gift king. <laughs> he has gifts for everything, Carmel. Like I'm just like, where do you find it? And you find them so quickly too. Yeah. it's uh, you know, I have to think about it, but I have to make sure that it makes sense. Mm. And I have to like, I'm like, how? Because I'm not a naturally funny person in person. Yes, you are. No. But what I, what I mean to say is I'm quicker, <laughs> yeah. I'm quicker via text. You like are We sent a group quick. text today and like, it, you know, it was- It went off the rails. Just, it, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah so, yeah. you know, I it's it's a lot of fun, but I wish I was like that in person. I wish I was quicker enough in person. I'd be a comedian. You, yeah. I think you are quick, but when you text- you're actually filtering it through your fingers. Right. I think you slow down in person because you're like, should I say that? Right. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> that's true. I'm that's definitely true. much of a... Yeah. I'm that, that, that's a, f- a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Uh, well, we have a lot to talk about this week. And we the couple of things that we're going to be touching on, we're going to talk about cancel culture, which I had to explain to Carmel and Drexel what that was I when I was like, we're was. talking about... it was a TV show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I would watch. I would oh watch my God. So sounds what, fun. Cancel culture, that is a good title that's for a, a television title. show. Maybe it could have been the title of this podcast. It could Cancel culture. Right. That's we're gonna talk about. I don't. I'm not for it. So we're talking cancel culture. If you, uh, as you know, us came out this weekend. We're gonna yeah. talk a little bit about that style of movie and a couple of other things that Drexel and I went over. We're gonna talk about this never-ending list of Democratic candidates and uh, the Mueller report uh, because uh, apparently it, it's out now, but not to the public, right? N- not to the public. Well, we're gonna get to that, and then. Of course, as you know, at the end of every episode, we do a spotlight on a charity, organization, or a community, or a person that we think is doing good in the world. All right. So we need to talk about cancel culture first. Okay. And if you don't know what cancel culture is, it is the culture of canceling people based on their past mistakes. Now, we've seen this arise in this in the last couple of years. I think it probably started with Paula Dean, but she needed to be canceled anyway. Mm. But we, we've seen it with Paula Dean. We've seen it with Aziz Ansari. We've seen it with Kevin Hart. We've seen it with um, who are the uh, politicians that recently were canceled because of the racist, the blackface stuff. That they just did. Oh, the one in Virginia. The one, oh, yeah. um, the governor of Virginia, Robert yes. Northam, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, and the then General. exactly. And then what really um, made me want to talk about this is recently there was a girl who is a musical theater performer. She was cast to play Celie in The Color Purple, and she was canceled because of her views on the LGBT community. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. But every time you say canceled, I'm like, mm, <laughs> is, it, is it like the Giver when they're released? They're canceled. They're canceled. So <laughs> when I say canceled, it's just like they basically don't have a career. Oh, and we saw that it with um, what's his name. Uh, Nate Parker mm. with that stuff that happened with him so uh-huh. my thing that the problem that I have is at what point do we draw the line where do we have grace where do we have forgiveness and where do we allow people the chance to change and right their wrongs from their past because if you spend so much time digging up things from five six seven eight years ago like is there no chance that the person has changed what do y'all think mm. 
I think it depends on the the actual thing they did. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes some things are just more egregious than others. You know, if it's like I wore a slave outfit to a Halloween party back in 87. Um, okay, I, it's that's one thing. And it's 20, 30 years ago. Right. But if it was like I went out of my way to call someone out or do something to someone that hurt someone intentionally, mm-hmm. uh, you're probably going to do it again. You know, that's probably something that's in your nature. So that's, that's something I, I and, and still canceling someone's on their entire career. I, I still even don't know, don't know them. But again, if, if it's hurting someone directly, I think that's, I could see canceling someone out because of that. Especially right. if you're in a public, you're a public figure. Right. If your whole job is to help the public and you're doing something to hurt somebody, that's, that probably makes sense. But like, if it's just a joke you did back in the day, I, I don't, it's we all said something and did yeah. something stupid. That's for not, sure. Yeah. For sure. Right. I think that there are, Obviously, several instances, and I just look in the political world, uh, where, where whether or not it's um, Governor Northam um, or Brett Kavanaugh mm-hmm. <clears throat> or uh, Senator Franken mm-hmm. in Minnesota, mm-hmm. there are certain instances um, where it's different for a comedian, whether or not you're Kevin Hart, whether or not you're uh, an, an actor, because I think actors come from, as we know, um, some come from difficult or sorted pasts in terms of their upbringing. They need to break out of that world. And this is, this is their outlet was being a performer. Right. Um, and what they did in the past obviously does not affect what we see on the screen. Um, in some cases, of course it might in terms of how they come off in terms of as an actor, but then what they do in their public life obviously, um, might be, um, a little bit different. And when it comes to, Elected officials, though, right now, we are in a hypersensitive moment mm-hmm. where everything that you do is um, in the present equally as important and, and your past is equally as important. So, you know, where we talk about a 17-year-old Brett Kavanaugh, you could look at it two ways. You can go, well, he was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. How does that affect his entire judicial career? Are right. we looking at Brett? Would, would, would that be different? If we, as more liberal-leaning people, um, did not think that his politics and his policies were detrimental to the country, right? Yeah, would we look at? Would we say, okay, well, that's what you did? And I think that's why Democrats, some Democrats, uh, we're going to talk about Kirsten Gillibrand in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, really went after Kirsten Gillibrand because it was less about what Al Franken did and more about that they wanted to protect one of their own. Right. And mm-hmm. the Republicans did the exact same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So with Brett Kavanaugh. So we, we, we pick and choose like when, based on if we feel like they're one of us. Of course. And that's always a problem. So like with Kevin Hart, like we celebrate Kevin Hart because of the things he says. Mm-hmm. So then it's weird to now like punish him for something he said. And even if it's it, what's really interesting, especially with like acting and film, you get on screen and play a character that oftentimes is offensive. Mm-hmm. And if you do it well, you get an award for it. So when someone says something offensive, but then it's funny, I, I don't get how that's any different. It's what he does. He well, says yeah. offensive things in a funny manner. Absolutely. So. For me, I just always feel like comedians just get a pass. Like they say what everybody's thinking, say what everybody's feeling in a funny way. 
and it's not meant you, they their their job is to kind of offend everybody. You know yeah. what I mean? But mm-hmm. but but to that point, Tim Allen the other day there was an article about him um, that said he feels like comedians should have a pass to say the n word. Oh, uh, yeah. so so at what point do we say okay, you can bring that into the converse into your right. into your routine? Right. Um, but do we get offended by it or should we just let them because they get a pass? Right. And so we can either, mm-hmm. we can either say, yep, you can do that or no, you can't do that, but there can't be a gray area because there's always going to be yeah. somebody offended by something. Of course. Um, and you know, I'm a pretty, we, at the beginning we talked about how I filter myself. So I'm pretty PC when it comes to what I say in person. Right. Um, if you are in a text thread with me, maybe not so much. <laughs> um, but, right. Right. <laughs> but you know, that's to my close. You know, what what we do with our own family and friends, obviously, um, if it offends somebody, we bring it up to those people. Mm -hmm. Um, But once it spills over into the public, I think you as a public figure, you know that's coming at some point. Right. So either you can prepare for it or not. You know, I'm always of the school of let that shit out early. Mm -hmm. If you know it's coming, you can either get in front of it. Or not. Right. And, you know, at this point, I think more politicians in particular should just let it out. Mm. Because people will find you more authentic if you Mm -hmm. start bringing up your problems. Yeah. Because everybody goes through problems. Like Stacey Abrams, for example, you know, Republicans tried to really use um, her her debt against her and, and things that she was going on in her personal life. But if she had got ahead of that and said, this is because we were dealing with some family issues. It was all about um, my family being sick and it was all about medical bills and these things like that. People understand that piece of it. Yeah. And, and people will use your negative against you in the, in this hypersensitive chamber because they can't. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to certainly do your part to protect you and your family as best as possible. And if that is getting in front of everything, then do that. So here's a follow-up question for you guys. Do you think, though, at this day and age that we are too hypersensitive about everything? I th- I think we are, um, partly because the nature of technology, social media has just made us that way. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look back in any realm, say 30 years ago, whether it's sports, entertainment, or p- politics, you just didn't know that much. Right. Now I know so much. And like literally Drexel's on his phone right now, probably getting an update. <laughs> I am. I'm actually right. reading. Yeah. Something's yeah, happening right now. Right. Right. Everything's right. at our fingertips. Right literally now. at yeah. our fingertips. So yeah. if I don't have it right now, I'm like, why don't I have it right now? There's a whole, there's like a FOMO to all this. Like, you know, mm. what am I missing out on? Like, yeah. so I think the hypersensitivity comes from the fact that it's just available. Right. So mm-hmm. now if like, if I don't have access to an athlete behind the scenes, I know that it's out there. So I'm going to go find it. If there's right. something out, a, pol- a politician or an actor or whatever, I know there's some way to get closer to them. So then I honestly don't know why we get surprised when we get closer to human beings and find out that they're human beings. Mm-hmm. The other part of that, I think, is is that our expectations of what happens next. Like we, because we have it at our fingertips, we expect the conclusion of it just as quick. If something goes wrong, we want it to happen right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, you know, it's like jobs. People expect, you know, when you look at uh, tax cuts or you look at things or, or you look at careers or you look at being an actor here in L.A. or you look at being a reformer when you're trying to build something and you expect it to happen in this day and age. you got kids who 
want to be social media influencers mm-hmm. because it is instant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, that's what happened with Vine and, and all of those things. They became yeah. instant things and then people took off and they became these multimillionaires because of 15 seconds. And uh, and they people assume that that's how it works. Right. And that's not always the case. And then people get disappointed and then people get downtrodden. And then that's how we have Trump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's I see the reality. That I, love I, see that. That. I like that. that. I, like I just that love that, yeah. that, that you yeah. just took. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, no, the, the, the reality is, is that people want, because we're so desperate to succeed, mm-hmm. is that people want now. People want to know that their family's going to be safe right now. People want to know that they're not going to lose their farms right now. There's people a sense of urgency with everything. Cons- the, the sense of urgency is really what's making people batshit crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I work very quickly in my own personal life. Mm-hmm. I certainly work with a sense of urgency, whether or not. I'm working on a project outside of my normal day job or whatever. It always has to be done very quickly because mm-hmm. I have to move on to the next thing. Right. Or people are ex- or expecting me, they can't move on to the next thing if I'm not done with my piece of it. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's the right, that, everybody has a different way of working it, but in my head, like that's the right way of working, which is you can't let people wait for you. Mm-hmm. And people don't have time to wait for you. Right. But in this case, there are so many independent, very, you don't know what's going to happen in, in the bigger scheme scheme of things mm-hmm. that sometimes you just don't have a choice, but to wait. Very good point. <laughs> yeah. So, to me, so you being an entertainer singer, yeah. do mm-hmm. you feel like, do you feel like you are moving at the pace that you want to move at? And do you feel like there is a expectation for you to be in a certain place that you're not? Oh God, of course, of course. I always feel like I'm behind when I finally get to where I'm going to be. I'm like, well, dang, now they're like (laughs) 20 yards ahead of me. You know, you're trying to catch up to people and catch up with trends and catch up with, you know, themes in the music industry and all that stuff. Yeah, it's insane. And I mean, I think, are we ever where we want to be though? You know what I mean? Mm. I'm the type of person that's always looking for the next thing once I accomplish something. I don't really take the time to like settle and be happy and, and relish in the fact that I accomplished something. I'm like, okay, I did that. Let's, what's the next thing. But I think that it's because I'm so influenced by how we are today, how mm-hmm. the society is, how culture is, you know, we're always looking for the next thing. Um, but I, I mean, I just like keeping busy to be honest. I yeah. hate having downtime. I hate being bored. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's tough. And you're always looking at social media and looking at numbers and looking at people started with iPhone pictures. Now people are taking pictures, just regular selfies with $4,000 cameras. And, you know, <laughs> I'm just like, I can't keep up, right. you know, um, it's, it's a problem, but I don't, I don't know if it's ever going to change. <laughs> this I is mean, where we are now. You yeah, know, I'm, I like to actively relax. Yeah. I don't, I don't ever see myself just. I'm always thinking, what am I not doing? Right. right. And I think, I, don't, I think that's, again, I think all three of us have that in our nature, but mm-hmm. then as soon as we look at our phone, it's over. Like whatever I was doing, the relaxing is just, it's done. And then an hour has gone by. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I spend a lot of time right before I go to sleep, like reading the news or yeah. figuring out what the, what I need to do for the next day. Right. And <clears throat> I always talk about, I always joke with my husband, Tim, where I'm talking about how I'm not very good at vacations. Because I'm always thinking about what I need to be doing. Always. And yeah. I'm constantly being like, I need to be doing some sort of activity. Mm-hmm. So instead of just laying around, like that's just, I can lay around and watch TV, but I can't lay around and vacation very well. 
Um, mainly because I know that when I'm watching TV, I need to get through my normal list right. of television shows. Yeah. That's it. It's a work thing. I make television work, right. which is like, I need to get through Grey's Anatomy, The Resident. I need to get through Shonda Rhimes shows. You watch all them through, shows too. Through you got a list. Creek. I need to get through everything where I'm like, yeah, that's, that's my normal version of relaxing. But in essence, it's still work to actually have to sit there and go through everything. Right. So, um, but I, I mean, to, to, the original point, it's like we are a product of the last five years. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody was talking to me the other day about uh, dating apps. And I was like, you know, Tim and I have been together for nine years. I missed that whole yeah. dating app boat. Same. Mm-hmm. We're, John within and I are pre-dating apps. Yeah. Within the last decade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a long time. I mean... But a decade is a long time. Yeah, it is. That's it a is. prepubescent kid right. at that point. You know what I mean? You know? <laughs> so where you're like, I, what, like, I always say, tell my friends, like, I don't, if something happened to me and Tim, I would not know what to do. Mm-hmm. Because listening to everybody else, I'm like, you well, we're doomed. Yourself. Yeah, right? I get I'll you. be watching, yeah. I'll right. be laying on the couch watching ah. TV all day. <laughs> Before we move on to the next uh, topic, as you were saying this, you know, you're like, that's a uh, prepubescent kid. It's so funny. Um, Do you think that kids nowadays, because they don't know, I feel like we're the last generation of of people that knew stuff before all of social media. You could have stopped at, we're the last generation that knew stuff. (laughs) Yes. Yes. 100%. Touche Drexel. But because of that, I mean, do you think that kids nowadays are, are not better off in the long run? Because this is what they're growing up with. This is normal to them. We saw the transition, you know, from before social media, before all this urgency, before these Gek famous quick schemes and all that stuff. Mm. We we saw all of that. We I think we just process it differently. Mm. I think kids are, they might be hypersensitive, but they're also very intelligent mm-hmm. um, because of the technology that they have. Like, you know, we were looking through, flipping through Encyclopedia Britannica's, mm-hmm. but they don't have to do that. They got all the information that they need, right. and they can process it as quick. They can process it more quick than we can. Mm-hmm. We look at it more analytically. Right. Like, okay, well, if that's the case, we know exactly what may or may not come next. They're like, well, we got to fix it. We got to move on. I mean, look at the Parkland kids. Mm-hmm. They were like, mm-hmm. we don't have time. Right. If this is our generation, we'd have been like, well, let's think about it for like a half a second yeah. and make a decision and then move on. Yeah. And, um, you know, these kids now, they're like, listen, we don't have time to wait for you. Yeah, I think <clears throat> the only thing I think it is not good for them is how much fake news there is and mm. how much fake mm. information. Like, I think we analyze everything because we don't trust it. Right. They see something, there's an instant opinion. There's an instant perspective they take. We're like, okay. Now, they will probably go down that rabbit trail and figure out that it's wrong. Some won't. Some will just say, oh, wow, that happened, and they just run with that. So I think that's that's the part that I, I appreciate about our generation, that we see something like, mm, let me go further. Let me check this out because I don't trust that. I haven't built my opinion up or my perspective or my foundation on that. I see what you're saying. And then you find out, oh, that's a fake page or that person's whack or whatever. So I think that's one thing I, I see with our kids is they just see something and are quick to make take an, you know, a stand on it. Um, but like you mentioned, the Parkland kids, they, they, they follow through. So that's what I do like about this generation in terms of kids, like they do follow through. They do see, I have more resources and they will make the efforts to find out. Yes. And I think that's some kids <clears throat> because I think that there's a difference in the Parkland kids 
who are in the same generation as the Lori Laughlin and the Felicity Huffman kids, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So you can either, I want to get a get rich quick scheme, mm-hmm. or you can make good and follow through on something that's really important. And right. in this case, you got two different sets of kids who grew up in the exact same generation doing very different yeah. things. Um, and but it's not even just get rich; it's get famous. Well, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was using that as like a right. like a they want it quick, yeah, and they don't want to have to work very hard for right. it, mm-hmm. or at um, all, or at all, <laughs> yeah. And they're going to figure out how, like I said, they're going to figure out how to make it work for them, right? And they've but they've got all of this different technology. I mean, it's like you know, it's like face tuning your life every day. And I love a good face tune. Okay, <laughs> give me a little snitch snitch. Oh my god, a little snip snip, <laughs> a little zhuzh zhuzh, <laughs> a little zhuzh zhuzh. <laughs> And yeah, but I'm some good. people be face tuning to the point where if you got Listen, lost, no one would recognize you. Out. Yeah. <laughs> smooth yeah. it out. Get those crow's feet. Smooth out that forehead. Make that complexion Make even. That complexion <laughs> because listen, I'm just trying to get that blue check mark like everybody else. But if I don't get that, if I don't have a smooth head. <laughs> what, oh my what is that? Gosh. What does it all say now for the trades of yesteryear? Because like I don't, I don't see kids wanting to be mechanics. Or like wanting to be like a veterinarian, or wanting to be like things that aren't famous. They don't even know what those are. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, so how, they want to be a social media influencer. I want to be an Instagrammer. They want to be able to pay people to do it. Yeah, they so don't who, want to. Do if it. they're gonna pay someone, who's who's gonna be doing it? Because no one wants to do that now. Those things right. don't make any yeah. sense. Right. So right. Who would, Eventually, yeah. that's what they're waiting for. They're I'm really sorry, hoping that, that robots I are going. Leg- wow. Have a legitimate AI. fear of this whole robot mm. thing. Right. I mean, I can't. That's what they're waiting for, basically. Uh, robot well, bets. That's yeah. I could see, I could see that robots. Yeah, I mean, we already have oil, robot. Oils. We have robot cooks already. Have you seen that like the two handed kitchen where you give them that. the ingredients or tell them a recipe and they'll make it for you? Yeah. You've been seen that video? Yeah. No, but I do need it. <laughs> <laughs> I need um, you to send me that. That's your link. birthday present, right, Jackson. Jackson. I've been waiting for two weeks for it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of scary this weekend, if you were hopefully not under a rock, you know that Us by Jordan Peele opened. And it opened, I guess, with $70 million opening. Wow. And it was um, the second biggest opening of 2019. And I think it was the second biggest opening of an original film after Avatar. Like an original screenplay wow. and everything. So I love Jordan Peele. I love his mind. And Jexel and I both saw it. Carmel hasn't seen it. So we're not going to talk too much about the movie. But what we are going to talk about is because Jordan Peele, I don't know what he's been through in his life. <laughs> I don't know where he gets these ideas from. I know Get Out, I, th- I think both of them came from like dreams that he had. I'm like, what are oh, you wow. having before you dream, right. before you go to sleep? Because this, this is serious. He's eating Taco Bell. Philly cheesesteak. Maybe right. he's doing something. something. But uh, Jexel and I were talking about, does a movie need to be explained in order for it to be a good movie. Because a lot of us, if you go see this film, it is going to go over your head. You are going to have to rethink pieces and articles to understand some of it. But I personally thought the film was brilliant. Um, I think he's so smart. I think what he touches upon and what he sh- the messages that he's trying to convey to his audiences are incredible and they need to be said. But if you're just watching it and not really thinking of it that way, you're going to leave the movie like, what? what did I just watch? Yeah, I was just reading um, an article, and it's out there in the world, that Jordan Peele kind of said what his movie was about, that you know, at the end of the day, we're, we are our own worst enemy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought the movie was great, um, but I also, and I was telling Melinda this yesterday, is I go into movies personally not 
looking for a deeper meaning in something first. Mm. My first is, is it a good movie on the surface level? And then if I, got, if I talk about it with somebody, then it becomes a, okay, what did I learn from that? And so with us, you know, there were things that I got from the jump where I was like, got it. Mm-hmm. It's still in the same formula as this, that, and the third movies that I've seen in the past, understand it. And now, but we also have this expectation going back to the last conversation about expectations about what we, about all the analysis that we saw from get out. So now we're trying to put the same, um, expectation on get out that we did on us instead Mm -hmm. of seeing them as two separate movies because of our expectation of Jordan Peele. Right. And so in this case, people are like, okay, so what? I didn't get what he was trying to say, so now I need it explained to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that does not not make it a good movie. <clears throat> right, right. You got to be able to separate, in my opinion, you got to be able to separate the two and then go back. It's like, is the Avengers on the surface level an entertaining movie? Mm-hmm. Are they entertaining movies? If you can say yes to that, because mm-hmm. they are entertaining movies, right. that doesn't necessarily, entertaining also, also doesn't, doesn't make them good. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. I think it's a lot in art, like when you look at a painting or being a comedian, if I, I've always said this, if, you, if I have to explain a joke, it's probably not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some things I've said that someone said, I didn't get it right away till later on. So sometimes, and I like that, there's something about that where you're thinking about the joke and it hits right. you. You're like, oh, this is what he meant. So that, that joke kind of has a longer shelf life than other mm-hmm. jokes. Uh, there's certain songs to this day, someone explained to me what it meant. I'm like, oh, that, I had no idea. That's what that song, the song still is good. Mm-hmm. Like I like the melody and I like what it's saying. Uh, didn't know it had that extra third, fourth layer in it. Yeah, like Side to Side by Ariana Grande. It took me months to figure it out. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> but, the, but going on songs, like, just because it's catchy and it gets stuck in your head does not make it a good song. Yeah, but I'm also not hip enough to understand songs like that. <laughs> uh, Friday by Rebecca Black. Did that not get stuck in your head? Is it course. a good song? No. no. That was also during the MySpace era. No, yeah. it wasn't. Was it? No, no it was this was like... A year ago, not even, but I mean, Maybe like a couple years ago, four, it was like three years ago. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes, I'm about to Google it. Okay, you're gonna, you gonna be wrong. You're gonna be disappointed. I'm about to, you know, <laughs> at my fingertips, but yeah, while I'm googling. While you're googling, yes. So uh, if a song is catchy, it doesn't necessarily make it a good song. No, no, not at all. I, but I guess I'm saying is is in that, and that again is our generation. Yeah, where songs today are very, very surfacey. Right. There's like three or four lyrics the hook and a, and a bad beat. The beats are dope. Love the beat. Well, look, it's all about the producer now. Right. Yeah. Today is really, it's really more about the producer, mm-hmm. yeah. whether it's Metro Boomin, whether it's uh mustard, whoever it is, it's all about the producer versus the, the actual writer. Or whatever. Just yeah. Are those they're no, see, they're, they're, I'm like, I thought they were producers. just condiments. Yeah. <laughs> see, I'm like, I'm in the music industry. I don't even know who you're talking you know about. Metro Boomin is? No. But that's not my kind of like. And you thing. said somebody named Mustard. Mustard, DJ Mustard. Nope. He nope. says his name in every song. That's DJ Khaled. I know. And that that's one. another Khaled. thing. Like, are you that memorable? If you have to keep reminding people who you are, like, why do you keep saying your name in the song? I can't stand uh, it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Beyonce says her name in several of her songs. Does she? <laughs> well, not several, but she said it. I, I don't even listen to Beyonce like that. Rebecca so. Black's <laughs> what Friday. Do you what do I listen to? <laughs> I listen, I listen, I listen to, to myself. She right. She's <laughs> like, I'm gonna loop myself. <laughs> Um, allow myself to introduce I, you know where I find myself. music I find music on NPR that's where I find new music because I like singer songwriters because that's what I am mm-hmm. I don't listen to a lot of mainstream music okay so I'm totally not yeah I, I don't know anything I just listen to NPR and Rebecca I love Black's Friday right well, but that was, was two, that's that was shoved that's down, down my throat, throat. <laughs> that was shoved <laughs> 2011 down. see 
that, oh, was, that was a long time ago. That's not that's, my, that's still MySpace, not MySpace. Though. That's still not MySpace. That was like right after MySpace. It was still Facebook era because yeah, that's yeah, when yeah, it went yeah, viral. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that was a long time ago. It was, it was. dang eight years ago. <laughs> what is she doing now? She was on um, the four. And she tried to challenge this guy that was like amazing. We were like, boo boo, no. Oh, wow. But she wasn't bad. She was all right. But okay. yeah, she tried to make a comeback and I guess it's just not happening. But definitely go see us because mm-hmm. it is very good. Lupita is amazing. She's just very good and, and the kids are great. And um, what's her husband's name? Winston. The one from Winston. Uh, from uh, Black Panther. Yeah, yeah Winston, Duke. Winston Duke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and then there's like, you know some like Elizabeth Moss is in it, and like yeah, some some yeah, some yeah. fun folks, but it's just a it's just fine movie. And it's uh, I think the most impressive part of it was the direction. I think it was beautifully shot. Right. Mm-hmm. I think how he directed it was great. The performances were good. Um, but yeah, if there's a lot of layers to it, he threw entirely too much into the movie to yeah. be honest. And then we were, and then like <clears throat> even the next day, even though we got the message, mm-hmm. there were still. Some people call them. I didn't really think there were so much. Maybe they're plot holes, but they were just unanswered. Like, well, why did it happen like that? Right, right. And maybe that just needed to be explained. But I don't. I didn't. I don't think that it needs to be explained for me to consider it a good movie. I agree. It's just like I agree. Uh, just somebody I c- tell me, please. Right. I could see why people wanted it explained, but it didn't bother me, and I mm. still took away from it what I think I was supposed to. And if you wanted to explain, just Google it. Right. <laughs> Go on Twitter. Because we have our phones at our, our fingertips. fingertips. You really want to know that bad? You better find it. Is also, is 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 it him being black a thing? Because, I mean, we had this with Tarantino for a while, where mm-hmm. like a lot of his movies were kind of weird, kind of like off. But then we kind of just, ah, oh, it's Tarantino. He does his thing. It's like, whatever. But like, Jordan Peele, one, had success out the gate. And mm-hmm. then now... Are we saying, well, are we try- are we being overcritical because he's black? Not not saying because he's black we're being critical, but is there something about that where like people are like, I don't think so. I think people are being overcritical because he threw a lot into that damn movie. There was just so much, <laughs> right. and, and you're I like, also, it's you know what I mean, right? And I think it's also because Get Out was so successful yeah. that yeah. the expectation of that is it's like if James Cameron came out with a film or any Clint Eastwood film where you're like. Right. These directors don't have a good movie. That's right, not right. that's a reflection on them. And he then, peaked with Get Out, right? Like, but I think he can still live up to it. Right. I think. I mean, Gus was good. It's not as good as Get Out. Get Out was a near perfect movie to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. But Us was still great. It was, and I can't wait to see what he comes up with next. Right. Well, Twilight Zone. Oh, is that what CBS he's doing? All Access? But that's I mean, like a feature film. Oh well, but I mean, like he. It's his whole Twilight Zone. Like yeah, he's the host. He's doing all of it. Yeah. He's wow. the executive yeah, he's producer. Doing he's doing yeah. everything. Okay. Yeah. But I like these think piece films that he's doing. Like with so many, with so much, you know, underlying messages. I want to see what he comes up with next mm-hmm. for his okay. horror. And that's it. It's not a horror film. That's the other thing. It was not a horror film. It was a psychological. Thriller. Yeah, a lot of people. It and came to me, out it was like very different. Categorized as such. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the trailer seemed like it was going to be a horror film, but it was not a horror film. Maybe okay. that's what his whole. Maybe that's what Jordan Peele wanted us to think. Mm. <laughs> All right. Maybe that was the underlying message: is uh, you okay. stupid people. <laughs> that's what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> Who drops a horror film in the Oh spring? my gosh! Right. Uh, well, I, I can't wait to see what happens next, and I guess I'll watch the Twilight Zone. I've never been a fan of the Twilight Zone, so we'll see. Well, if you watch the show, you gotta go. You gotta watch the trailers on like YouTube and stuff like that because they are. First of all, everybody. 
every actor is like has is attached to it. It's like, on. It's really? like watching it's like watching a seasons of the West Wing where you're like, oh that person's in it, oh, that person's funny. in it, and that's it. Like everybody's doing it right now. Okay. I'm excited. Cool. All right. So next we're gonna talk about the longest list of candidates I feel like I have ever seen in my ever. lifetime that are running <laughs> in the Democratic Party. And this is all Drexel's MO. This is what he does. This mm-hmm. is what his life is. But th- these these people are wearing me out. They're wearing <laughs> me us, out. Help us, I can't Drexel, I can't keep track. Please. I cannot keep track. What do you want to know? What, well, like, why are there so many people running? Yes. Because everybody wants to help. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's trying to everybody's trying to figure out. I, I you know, it's one of those things where you I don't every politician first of all, it takes a level of narcissism to want to be a politician. For sure. Because you believe that you can help better than the next than the other than your candidate. Are right? you speaking from experience? Listen, Jackson. I'm just I'm right. just I'm right. just saying <laughs> I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. But um, but at the same time, in the back of people's head, they also believe that at a, once they reach a certain level, that they can also be president. Right. And so with the Democrats, we are in a really interesting situation where on the heels of, of Barack Obama, the Democratic Party is trying to continue that momentum of being different. Right. And in this case, that's why we ended up with Hillary Clinton as the nominee. Um, and and to her detriment, to, in my opinion, picking Tim Kaine was a mistake if you're going to continue to move forward. Like, vice pre- to me, vice presidential uh, candidates or, or running mates should be an extension of what's next. Correct. And in this case, mm-hmm. I never saw Tim Kaine as the next in line to be president. Well, no one even knew who he was. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, I mean, he was, you know, he's on armed services. You know, he was a successful senator. He is a successful senator Mm -hmm. in Virginia. Um, Hillary Clinton, you know, was looking at a world of governing Mm -hmm. first and not what was next. And that was a criticism of Barack Obama during his whole presidency in terms of the party, which was, why are you not doing enough to build the party for the future? Mm as opposed to what is right now. And Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton come from that same school of thought of governing first mm-hmm. and not thinking about what's next second. And I think you gotta be able to do both, is we gotta think about the future in the present um, and not just on policy. Because there's gonna be a bunch of people that's gonna be looking at policy like mm-hmm. that. And that's gonna be the job of, of all the aides and all of the, uh, all of the White House staff and, 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 and congressional leaders and stuff like that is to try to figure that piece out. But as the leader of the party, president is de facto leader of the party right. for all intents and purposes. And in that case, you always have to be looking at what is next. And I think a lot of these candidates are thinking that they're going to be what's next. Uh, we've got almost 20 candidates right now. We're still waiting to hear from a couple other people. Um, but, I mean, if you look at the list, it's like half women, half men, um, and a speckle of color here and there. A speckle. A speckle. <laughs> okay. I say, a, I say a speckle because all of these white guys keep jumping in, and then it just keeps getting more and more of them. Which I'm, <clears throat> I'm probably going to be the minority in saying this, but I personally think that in order to beat Trump and to move on from this hell that we have been in, it needs to be a white male. Mm. Because I don't think 
that if there is a white male that they can say as much as they that they've been saying and by they I mean the Republican Party because what are you going to say what are you going to like what are you really going to fight against you know if you are talking to yourself you know what yeah. I'm saying sure yeah. I, I think that there is a way to energize a base without being a white guy like Joe Biden like I love Joe Biden if totally you, like. Who doesn't? I mean, listen. Yeah. If this is 2016, Joe was my guy. Yeah. If he had jumped in, I'd have. It would. There would have been. I didn't have to go through the debates. I wouldn't even have to get through the primary. I'd have been it like, there's been Joe. Joe. <laughs> it'd have been Joe Biden. That would have been it. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I personally think that that time has passed, but I'm also not counting him out. Right. Uh. Because I, I, the problem with Joe Biden is that he's trying too hard to make concessions like I'm going to be, I'll, I'll promise to do one term. He hasn't said that yet, but that's what his team is mulling right mm. now. Or I'm going to promise to pick a, a female or a minority and those questions come up, you know, right, in terms right, of right. what's next. And instead of just being like, I'm the guy that's going to beat this guy. <laughs> like, that's it. Just right. say that, move on. That's what people know. Right. Because the other thing, the other part of what Trump supporters love about Donald Trump is that he wants to win. Yeah. Democrats yeah. do not just want to win. We've got to get to the point where we're just like, we got to win first. Yeah. Let's win. Let's move on. And then we can govern. Right. Instead of let's figure it out <laughs> and let's move on. Like, that's the problem. Like, people gravitate towards success when they are not themselves successful. Right. Yeah. So if you <clears throat> are l dicking around trying to figure out whether or not you're going to win or not, they're over there being like, well, let's find the person who thinks he's going to win. And that's going to be the guy who's going to beat Donald Trump, right? Or so, the female that's going to beat mm -hmm. Donald Trump. So is is the so you said that everyone wants to help. So with this many candidates out here, um, who's really going to help? Like, what's who is of all the ones that are out there are really going to do something? One that is uh, substantial enough to defeat Trump, and two that really helps us. Sure, I think that. Well, I think the good thing about having this many candidates is that everybody's going to be talking about policy in a way that um, we really haven't seen before. Barack Obama did it a little bit. Um, Hillary Clinton put out policy papers, but it wasn't explained well enough. Like she was too much of a policy wonk. And I'm not, I said, I love Hillary Clinton. I voted for her, you know, whatever. But people, again, in this age where everything is at our fingertips, we want instant information. Tell us exactly what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and CNN is actually doing a really good job of, of give, letting the Democratic candidates do these town halls because it's an opportunity for uh, candidates to, to speak directly to questions mm -hmm. um, early enough to where they can start setting their own policy um, positions. I think the only person who does not really have policy positions yet is still a rock star is Beto O'Rourke, mm. um, who has not put out a single policy. And I don't even know that Beto put out many policies when he was running in Texas at all either. He was just a fiery candidate. His personality. His personality, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't make you a good president. Right. You know, it... it Do you think it'd make him a good vice president? I think it would... I think that he would have been... He would have... We would have been better served if he would run against John Cornyn in Texas. Um, but yeah, I think he'd make a good vice president mm -hmm. in terms of, because then he can learn on the job. Vice president <clears throat> is, if, is very just ceremonial mm -hmm. and even in the constitution, it's a little bit like that. Yeah. But 
And, and he can just send him around the country. <laughs> Seriously, send him around the country. You stay in Washington, send him around the country, let him fire people up, yeah. let him talk about the policy yeah. and do that. If you're not thinking, if you want to be a good governor, and by governor, I mean president, like, you know, somebody who governs. Yeah. Um, and you're not thinking about, well, if I send this person out, are they going to be more popular than me? Which is what can, which is what presidents don't want their vice presidents to be as more popular than they are. But in this case, you got to be able to send somebody out who can talk about the policy that's going to connect to people um, in that way. And there are candidates that are, that, that can do that. Cory Booker can do that. Uh, Pete Buttigieg can do that. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm just looking down this list. Um, Julian Castro can do that as well, but he also should have been Hillary Clinton's vice presidential candidate too. Um, so there are people who have that opportunity um, to be that person to go around the country right. to do that. Stacey Abrams can do that, um, but that doesn't make them presidents. Right, right. We, 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 again, expect somebody who can fire us up. Mm-hmm. But do you want a boss who can lead you or do you want a boss who can fire you up? Do you want the fun boss or do you want the boss who's going to make you successful? Right. So <laughs> with that being said, the, the, the opponent fires his team up like 100%. no one. So do we have, <laughs> do we have to meet? <laughs> <laughs> so do we have to play fire with, do we have to play a fire with fire? If we come with someone that's, as you're saying, is that, is that actually counterproductive because it's only going to make Trump See, okay, well, this this person's not going to even match me in that in the vigor that I'm going to bring. So, what's the point? Like we we and also are we splintering the dim so so much that we're not going to get that person. No, I think that there are. I think what what it sucks because like when Hillary Clinton was running, the most um, screen time she got was when she shot something back at Trump, mm-hmm. um, or where she said something like, uh, you know, in the debates, she's like you're the puppet like that kind of stuff instead of like what she was actually saying out there right. and the, the mounds of policy and right. her plans that she had well, that's what people want to see sadly right and that's yeah. that's yeah. that's the unfortunate so yeah i think let the vp do that let that person go after mike pence on that um because i think that there does have to be a contrast to donald trump in terms of having a grown-up in the room uh mm-hmm. and, and but but not a grown-up that people can't connect with right so that's going to be the challenge for a lot of these candidates is you be better, but you don't talk over people. <laughs> you mm. talk to people. Yeah. And Donald Trump is talking to people, even though he's not saying anything. At all. At all. <laughs> he's really not saying. If you watch any of his rallies, he never says anything. Yeah. Yeah. The stories he is anecdotal. He is story time. Mm-hmm. He is saying things that are wild. He is never well, because he struggles with the English language. But he's well, consistent, that, right? Consistent yeah, enough. I'm saying, if you, yeah. and if you go to again, if you talk, if you watch those Trump rallies, yeah. you're like, yeah. you know, Barack Obama used to do these rallies all over. Most presidents, actually, all the presidents, go, go around the country and they talk about their yeah. policies that they're willing to promote. If you go to any Trump supporter, you're like, well, what has he done? People are like, well, the economy's great. Well, not because of the tax cuts. Yeah, right. Because if you look at the way the reality is, uh, economic policy like that doesn't take into doesn't take effect for another like three or four years. Yeah, we're only in year a, ha- a year later mm-hmm. after those tax cuts went into effect. We are seeing uh, people's tax returns not come back in the way that they want them to. So is that a positive? But at the same time, the reality is, is it either you got your money up front 
or you got your money later. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that just was not explained to people. Now people are upset. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, these tax cuts are great because I got the money when I wanted it. But you can't have the money when you want it and then money later because that's not what you're going to get. And we got to do a better job of explaining that pol- that that schoolhouse rocket. I always say I Democrats it. need to be <laughs> Democratic Party. I'm just need a bill to be, and all that wow. stuff. Yep. We need to be over these next <laughs> few months pushing out ads mm-hmm. like their schoolhouse rock. And I think that's the only way to educate people uh, and to get people like, oh, okay, so that's really how it works. Um, because at the end of the day, like that's just surface level. And then we look at Senate rules that really stop things from happening. The rules of the Senate and the rules of the House mm-hmm. are not r- r- written to where people, I mean, you can Google it or whatever, but they're not written where people know. And they're like, well, why does it take 60 votes? Okay, what is reconciliation? Okay, well, why can you, you know, the, what is a blue slip? Mm-hmm. Why can a senator not pull the nomination of a judge from their home state? Cory Booker said it the other day on Pod Saves America where he was talking about there was a judge in New Jersey where they didn't even get to the two New Jersey senators didn't even get to interview that guy really because the justice department, I mean the white house was like, Nope, can't do it. Hmm. And then, and then he got confirmed anyway, but it used to be where senators could pull a blue slip and say, Nope, that that's not going to happen in their own home state. And then Mitch McConnell was like, yeah, we're taking that away because we want to confirm all the judges because at the end of the day, Republicans want to win. That is their tactic. That is their MO. That is all. And we can either go that route um, or we're always going to be behind them. So you think it's crippling us, obviously. I think I think that it, it, it does have a crippling effect because right now, I mean, this is probably why Bernie Sanders is so is as popular as he is, because the he is pushing a sense of urgency mm-hmm. with uh, but but not, in my opinion, managing the ex- the expectation on the other side, because what happens is if you're telling people that this is what we're going to do. And then they don't understand why it's not going to happen. It's not going to be beneficial down the road. Mm. And that was always my criticism. Of Bernie. Says, sure, let's talk about Medicare for all. But let's also tell people that it's also very difficult to get that passed. Not where the money's coming from. Right. Nobody wants to hear that you don't have the money. We know we have the money. We <laughs> cut the defense bills. Cut the defense spending, all that stuff. But if, but it's, can you get enough Senate votes? Okay, so then if you can't get enough Senate votes, then where should the focus be? on finding great candidates who can lead at the end mm-hmm. of the day, who can get elected. Mm-hmm. So that the Republicans did that. They laid the groundwork for that in terms of gerrymandering, in terms of finding yeah. candidates and, 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 and pushing those candidates. I mean, we've got Ron DeSantis down and as the governor of Florida who should not be the he governor of Florida. He should not be the governor of Florida uh, You know, all. so they, they – So did you like Andrew Gillum then? I, I loved Andrew yeah, Gillum. I, I thought he was great. Too. Yeah. Um, but they laid the groundwork for for that and over years and Mitch McConnell is still doing that mm. um, because at the end of the day, he wants to retain power mm-hmm. no matter, no matter what causes, which is why you don't hear him talk much because he's trying to retain that power. He's behind the scenes. Uh, he's not worried about anybody else, but his party. So um, I, I, I do think that we've got to figure out how to either counter that or, explain to people why that is bad and we don't do a very good job of that. so is there a huge gap because a lot of things you've mentioned i'm sure a lot of people don't even know the names you're mentioning so i <laughs> no, and i and no, I know it's true. no it's, it's, it's very true. that's it's why fun. i brought it up right 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 <laughs> and i think people will probably listen to this podcast and be like okay who is that who is that and hopefully you guys are googling this uh, as we're mentioning these people so could you mention a cool thing about schoolhouse rock and 
I almost feel like Trump is schoolhouse rock for his people. Like he's, he makes things very simple for them to understand. It's not policy, right. but he's saying some simple things. People get excited mm-hmm. and it's bolstering his uh, persona. It, it, he gets hyped up. I mean, honestly, I feel like our, our a Democratic candidate needs to go that same route. Maybe not the same offensive way he does. But go to Twitter, go to Instagram. If it's the policies you're talking about, make him a minute video on Instagram and put that person's voice or face over that, uh, that what was it, infographic or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, because I think that's the way people will start to understand policy um, and start to understand candidates and Senate and House and all this. Because I, I can tell you right now, there's so many people who do not understand politics. And oh, right. <clears throat> a lot of this is, the, is optics, mm-hmm. is how it looks. So... There has to be a way to bring the people into um, closer view of what's actually going on. They're not going to get everything. They're not going to understand everything. When you said a, you know, a, a, no one knows what that means. Um, so it's like, how can people understand a little bit more enough to vote for the right candidate? Because they're not going to get deep into it, but they need to understand, okay, here's the person you need to vote for. And whether that's starting in their own sit, their city, school board, stuff like that, and then moving more out towards, you know, uh, more statewide and federal wide. Uh, politics somehow or another there needs to be a way to bridge that gap for people to for understand. Sure. And the problem also is that no one's actually going to take the time to read right. the policies that are yeah. posted on these candidates' yeah. websites. Right. No one's just going to do it. No right. one's going to read these sixty-page PDFs. Right. Who one who has time to do that? Mm-hmm. Second of all, I just want to be able to see a one sheet that tells me everything that is simple and easy. I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm for that. I'm for that. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I'm for that. Okay, cool. Give me a you menu. Know what I, mean? I want a menu. I want a menu. Yeah. I want a menu. menu. I want a political menu. Right. Oh, that that could be a good that could be a good little topic too, or a right. show, or something yeah, you should right. do, Jackson. Yeah. There, like, what's just, on the menu? What's on uh, the menu? Yeah, I think I think the I think the the problem with that right now, and I get that, is that everybody on the every most Democrats um, basically are saying the same things right now. So you won't be able to decipher right. who is better at that mm-hmm. without looking at past votes, um, records, um, and that again takes time to do that. So you can either want you can because they're all going to talk about some form of healthcare that is universal or or single payer or Medicare and um, and what that means to them. They're all going to talk about in the um, climate change. They're all going to talk about um, veterans. Mm-hmm. They're all mm-hmm. going to talk about education right. uh, in the way that they're all the same. They're all going to talk about free tuition, free college tuition, because that's what that's what they know that everybody wants to hear right now. So everybody right now is going to be saying the exact same thing. Yeah. So even to look at a menu, you're going to be like, well, they're all carbon copies right now uh, without saying, OK, well, what is um, Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren, I read the read it the other day. She put out a whole housing policy, or her whole position on housing, and it's very good. And you're like, okay, well, that all that makes a whole lot of sense. But mm-hmm. you got to take the time to you got to take the time to read it. But the other problem is, is that you know, Pete Buttigieg had a really great week last week where he was everywhere. Yeah, and everybody knew his yeah. name, and yeah. he came out of nowhere. But you also got candidates like Amy Klobuchar who's been in the Senate for years from Minnesota. See, I don't know who that is. Exactly. I heard nope. her. You've also got, you've also got Tulsi Gabbard from, who, from Hawaii, um, who, not my favorite, but I'm bringing her up because you've got candidates out there who, um, who people just don't know. Julian Castro was secretary of housing and urban development, mm-hmm. San, San Antonio, Mary, like, right. he's a great candidate. 
Um, so when do you think this will dwindle down? <laughs> so, <laughs> because, sure. so, you know, we have, um, obviously Iowa and New Hampshire come first. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to get the debates. So the threshold that the democratic, the DNC has set for candidates is if you have 65,000 unique um, individual donors, you will have the opportunity to make the debate stage. Gotcha. Not everybody can make the debate stage. And I think what, what um, Tom Perez and the DNC are going to try to do is basically pick names out of a hat. Mm. And that's who makes the debate stage, no matter if you're a top tier candidate or a bot- or, or at the bottom of the barrel. So it could be uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren and, and Kamala Harris on the same stage as Jay Inslee and, and John Hickenlooper and, and Pete Buttigieg, uh, and that's the stage, mm-hmm. right? It could be any of those names. What's now, the I max just, for people? Well, we remember Republicans had 12 on yeah. a stage last year, wow. which was even though it took, even though much. it took Ben Carson a couple of minutes to figure out how to walk onto the stage <laughs> and then Donald Trump was with him. And, uh, but uh, you could have as many as you want to. I think it's just a matter of how they spread those debates out mm-hmm. uh, and who they give opportunity to. And I actually like the idea of drawing names out of the hat because it does, it makes it fair. Again, I just named Jay Inslee. Probably nobody could be like, well, I nope. don't know where Jay Inslee's from. Nope. And same thing with John Hickenlooper. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in Colorado. Jansley's from Washington State. Mm. They're both okay. governors. Okay. You know, so th- those are the people that we, we while they're great, Jansley's going to really focus on climate change, and he's come out the jump, and that's what he said he's going to be focused on. Um, and and Colorado is a fairly liberal state, and Governor Hickenlooper is very popular. I had some clients that worked the other day. They're from Colorado. They were like, "We love Governor Hickenlooper." Yeah. But that does that make does that make them a great president? And can they? And I said this about Pete Buttigieg <clears throat> the other day. And I said, he would be great. He'd be, he'll be a great candidate if he can break out of the noise. And like I said, even though he had a great week last week, can he surpass the popularity of um, Kamala Harris or um, Elizabeth Warren? Right. You know, so. Or even though you don't like him, Bernie. I mean, he's I, still popular. I, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, I'm really talking about Democrats right now. Oh. Um, so. Um, <laughs> Um, and so, uh, listen, that's but he's reality. popular and people are sure, him, is what sure. I'm yeah. Trump is also popular, but Oof. you know, th- I mean, that's the reality yeah, this sure. is you can be the loudest. This is what really confuses people in politics. They're like, well, how can somebody be so popular and still not get that many votes? Right. And just because you're loud doesn't make you right. Right. And in this case, Trump is loud and his base is loud. Mm. And that and there's still Republicans are the minority in this country, vote wise, mm-hmm. the minority. And they can still be loud. And so I, you know, I said as I go into this primary that I'm going to talk about candidates that I would like to see win, um, but not disparage candidates that other people may or may not like you know right. so i'm going to be talking about kamala harris and, and cory booker mm-hmm. and elizabeth warren mm-hmm. um kirsten gillibrand i love one of my best friends loves her too from new york and uh, so those are the candidates that i think that we should be watching out for um and then th- then we'll see where the other vi- vp candidates come from and you know but, th- but there's also other candidates that nobody knows either like andrew yang no nope. andrew yang is out there talking about he's from that's the first He's from time New I York heard as that well. name. He's from New York. <laughs> He's out there uh, talking about, um, um, uh, what is that? Glo- I want to say it's like income. Hold on. I'm going to Google it real quick. Because <laughs> well, while you're Googling, Carmel, if you had to vote tomorrow, who would have your vote? <sighs> you wouldn't vote? No. <laughs> I, I, 
politics just bothers me yeah. altogether. Oh, I just, it's Why just, wouldn't I they? don't, Why I, wouldn't they? I, I don't understand because so much of it to me seems almost manufactured. Like I almost feel like a lot of this is just a distraction. Like there's so much stuff that's talked about, and I, I, I watch the news. I'm up, and I'm like, none of it make. For example, let's go back to the election itself. How Russia somehow or another influenced the vote. You gonna tell me that we don't know if a whole country tapped into our system <laughs> to find? If we're watching the Olympics, they get points, judges right then. They know what's happening. Mm-hmm. There's no way we don't know. If Russia affected our votes, there's no don't the whole thing about Hillary losing 35. I still have emails on Gmail that I've deleted. I can find emails. There's no way the U.S. government lost emails. So this stuff doesn't make sense to me. It just gets to the point where I'm like, okay, are they just making stuff up mm. to do something else? Like something else is going on that they're hiding. So let me do this. And I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but I'm also smart. I just know <laughs> I know how computers work. And I know someone can't just tap into a system and us not know about it. Like, things aren't just, we're not losing stuff like that. Right, right. Uh, to go back to Andrew Yang, universal basic, universal basic income is what Andrew Yang is talking about. Okay. And people talk about it all the time, um, about the government providing a basic income for mm-hmm. Americans mm-hmm. Um, to help them get started. Mm-hmm. And um, so that is something that... Um, that Andrew Yang is going to be talking about, and he is probably he may or may not be on that debate stage. He's just a businessman. Yeah. Um. Um. And then you know, Cory Booker was on. Like I said, he was talking about um, giving kids from birth um almost like a what are those like a bond mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm. them financially to help them right. start out. Right. You give kids as soon as they're born a bond, and then that grows over time, mm-hmm. and then by the time they're adults, they have some sort of Thing. I mean, it's kind yeah. of like Social Security, but like not really. But mm-hmm. in this case, it's yours. You're not having to think that of what it's doing and is that going to grow. Um, and then Marianne Williamson is also out there if you are an Oprah fan. Um, She's running? She is running. Really? Person, yeah. And, okay. Um, wow. Yeah. I and did not know that. <laughs> I mean, I know who okay. she is, yeah. but I did not yeah. know right. that. Okay. I'm sure if there are Marianne Williamson fans uh, listening, they'll be like, I can't believe you just said Marianne Williamson in the list. But, but yeah, okay. I have friends who, who like Marianne and, and um, you know, she, uh, she's out there and in more ways than one. And, <laughs> uh, and, and I, I, I kid, uh, but you know, people love that kind of stuff. When it comes to, when it comes to Russia, I, it's not that, and the Department of Homeland Security has definitely said that they knew what was happening. It's a matter of public knowledge about how you don't let it affect what's happening at the current time, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why James Comey got wrapped up in the thing. Like you don't affect, you sit on information until it's absolutely necessary. James Comey obviously should have sat on the information that he had. Um, without influencing the election as close because the DOJ's um, policy is that they the, the, the FBI cannot influence an election whether or not within within a certain amount of days um, and that's in, that's what ended up happening I think when it comes to national security issues obviously the government knows a shit ton more than we do uh, and they're going to sit on that information unless it unless it is information that the public is in a need to know situation like you know we get like the tornado watches and the, and all that stuff kind of but but when it comes to like is are we being tapped into well we know that uh, is russia sending out ads on facebook are they buying all these things of course they are 
because they want to influence that because they all have a stake in our president. Right. Who's the leader? Right. Um, and it's not that we didn't know. It's just that we were like, sure. Okay. And we did nothing See, about that's, it. That's, that's what I think it is. It's, it's the, indifferent. The public, the public, and as you said, needs to know what they need to know. And so the government determines what we need to know. Mm-hmm. So that influences the way people move, the way they, the, the economy, the right. way they vote, influences everything with the public. But 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 that is because we have elected them to do that. Because we as voters Some of them. Sh- I'm, what I mean what I mean to say is, is Some of them the leaders, elected. the leader the elected officials. Um it, it, that's what I mean is that we've put trust in them that they are going to let us know what we need to know. And then then they appoint people who help them get that information mm-hmm. out. Uh, if if necessary, but we have put our trust in our constitution enough to say, this is what we're going to do. This is who we're going to trust. And that's how it happens every four years or every six years or every two years, whether in the house, the Senate or president. Right. So that's the reality is that that is how our democracy works, whether or not you're here in America or, or you're in Ireland and you got the MPs over there mm-hmm. or you're dealing with Brexit in London. We have entrusted these people to make those decisions for us. You know, I was having, I had a staff meeting yesterday with, we had the full staff and I remember saying to them, I said, you know, it is our job to get you the information that you need. Again, we are telling you what you need to know. And we are as the leadership determining what that is. Mm -hmm. So how as bosses can we expect our elected leaders not to do the exact same thing? Because that's what they are. They, we have been entrusted to do that. Uh, and, and by and, and, and in a turn, the same thing. They they are our leaders for a reason. I mean, we might not be voted in as leaders of our businesses and stuff like that, but at the same time, people trust us to make those decisions for them and to give them the information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of these candidates are going to have to prove that they can filter and tell us exactly what we need to know at the same time. And I think that's why Donald Trump is so good at what he does because he might not be saying anything, <laughs> He really says nothing. <laughs> yeah, he's smart. Um, yeah. You know, you can talk about John McCain, and that makes the news for a week. A week. A week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After, a, a, out of all the other shit that he was saying mm-hmm. through that that whole mm-hmm. thing, and and the only thing that came out of that policy wise was an executive order on um, college. Uh, Their First Amendment. First rights. Amendment yeah. rights. Where you're like, <laughs> but that's in the Constitution, right? <laughs> You don't need an executive order but for that. But he wants to be the one to say that he did it. Exactly. Yeah. But no, you it's didn't. Ego. It's but ego. you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't. You know, so, and, and people are dumb enough to be like, but he did. Right. Yeah. For and, sure. And Absolutely. And so, it, you know, and break through the noise, you know, and so that was the, that's the problem. And, you know, when it comes down to like, you know, things that happen with emails and all that stuff, I mean, obviously we know there are technological ways that either you can preserve them or not mm-hmm. on private servers. I don't know how it works, but, um, you know, it's not a WhatsApp like Jared Kushner mm. where he's screenshotting shit. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's a national security issue right there. You that's know, just stupid. You know, Does he like, really not know that? Do you, of course they know that, but they don't care. They don't care. That's what I'm saying. That, they don't that's think that's what I'm gonna, saying. Because they're invincible. Nothing's right. going to happen to them. Right. And they're invincible because exactly. they have a base that does not care. They don't care. Um, and Because what could, honestly, what could really happen? Because, yeah, nothing can happen to them. Like, we're, we're not. I mean, they can't. They can't. I mean, if we're it, not going to do anything. If it's criminal, you know. Then of course they can, and, and I. But when, if, even that, if it's criminal, what's going to happen? Are they really going to do time? No, I, I think that obviously, like um, 
you know, like the 13 indictments that mm-hmm. came down from Robert Mueller. Mueller you know, yeah, of course they're going to do some time, but um, it just depends on the person. Is, is it Martha Stewart time or is it like a real time? <laughs> oh, it's definitely going to be Martha Stewart time. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's absolutely Martha Stewart, Martha Stewart yeah. time. Yeah, but speaking of uh, Robert Mueller, uh, the uh, report came out mm. and I'm, I'm reading this, uh, uh, this uh, headline and it says that Robert Mueller found that the Trump campaign did not conspire with Russia, according to the attorney general. Attorney General Bill Barr submitted a letter to Congress on Sunday summarizing the special counsel's principal conclusions. Special counsel Robert Mueller found that neither the Trump campaign nor anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia in its efforts to influence the 2016 presidential election. Mm, what was Surprise. That from? Hmm? What was that from? Uh, why? I just want to know the source. Oh, this is on BuzzFeed News. Okay. So actually. <laughs> <laughs> is there something the, different? Because there's well, I the I think, CNN. I, think, I just did the first one, New yeah, York yeah. Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think that the principal findings, it, 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 from what I was reading, actually, Bill Barr's uh, thing, there was it was still a little convoluted. It was like um, the report did not conclude that Trump obstructed justice, but it also didn't exonerate him. Right. And exactly. that well, if you will let me keep reading, what, what, I, what I mean to say, what, <laughs> what I mean, to, what I mean to say is, is, is that it's hard to find evidence of collusion in that way. And I think that's mm. what, that's what the special counsel said. We don't have enough evidence to support that part of it. Okay. Not that it didn't happen. It's just very difficult to, okay, you had a phone call. Well, what is that phone call? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, but, but how do you like, somebody could say they did and somebody could say they didn't. Without a without hard right. evidence, how do you prove that? And I think prosecutors um, obviously are in the position where they have to prove things beyond a reasonable, reasonable doubt. doubt. And yeah. in this case, as Nancy Pelosi said a couple of weeks ago about when she was talking about impeachment, and she was like, I'm not really for impeachment unless there's hard evidence mm-hmm. that there is something absolutely wrong. And that should have been the position from Democrats from day one mm. on Russia. That does not mean... To me, and we'll talk more about Mueller in a second, it does not mean that there have not been impeachable offenses that have happened outside of the Russia investigation. Oh, we have, sure. yeah. We, yeah. Have, we have, over the last couple of years, let the Russia investigation take precedent over policy that has, that has the effect to destroy the country. Judges that have been confirmed that are just the worst. Um, and... and, and Everything else that Donald Trump has done from from the emoluments clause and, and things like that, that he has not separated himself from his businesses. We've spent $91 million to fly him back and forth in two years just down to Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. Like those things could be more impeachable than us focusing on a Russia investigation. But the, but the other part of that is people are like, you know – why don't you, if, if Democrats had focused, I won't even say Democrats, because again, there were only a handful of Democrats that were talking impeachment. It was not the Democratic Party talking mm-hmm. about impeachment. Democrats have all, position has always been, let's wait till the report comes out and then we can figure out what to go to from there. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, um, Democrats are trying to figure out what the raw intelligence is right mm-hmm. now uh, and, and, and they want to read the whole thing because if there are little things in there that are impeachable, mm-hmm. then they're going to find oh, out. For sure, for sure. Uh, but th- the principal findings are just like a summary. Yeah. That's not, you know, and that's <clears throat> this is a good look for the White House right mm-hmm. now because it's just very blanket. Right, and it's enough for his supporters, It's honestly. enough for everybody to say. And the Attorney General has an obligation to the Constitution first. 
the American people first, and also the White House. They're mm-hmm. an appointee of the president. Mm-hmm. They serve at the pleasure of the president. They're cabinet officials. And so if you don't think William Barr is trying to protect the president and the White House at the same time as trying to protect the American mm-hmm. people, that's a tough line to yeah. be on. And that's what he's going to do. I mean, he's quoted saying, like you said, while this report does not conclude the, pre- the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. Right. And I think that that's what Democrats are going to try to latch on to. Mm-hmm, and then, sure. but the other part is the Republicans are latch on to didn't commit a crime. Yeah. But the other part is didn't exonerate. Yeah. So it's a matter of what right. people really want so to see over the next. So we're still divided. So right exactly. now, so exactly. somebody said, somebody said on Twitter, so we're back at square one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so exactly. let me say this. So we were waiting to find out if this report was going to tell us if Trump. I'm just making this really as, as basic as possible. Trump and the Russians somehow or another helped him get elected. Is that what we're saying? That this report That's was what that report was supposed to okay. find. Right? So, no, the report was supposed to find whether or not the Trump campaign worked with Russia. Because we know that Russia influenced the election in multiple ways. We know that part of it. Whether mm-hmm. or not the campaign themselves helped aid in that. Or if they were acting on their own. And if they were, or, if, or if Russia was acting on their own. Gotcha. The president just, of course, tweeted, uh, complete and total exoneration. Which, if you which read the report, which is not said. what it said, but that's going to be enough for his that supporters. Is, yeah. all they need. To that's hear. all they need to see all and read. And they're see. now he's going to get reelected. And I don't. I'm just. I don't I'm, know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know <sighs> that. I'm like sweating. Right. <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. A lot of this just. It's just. It's drama. It's like it's 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 very. And yeah, we're still divided. Yeah, like you just said, it's very diversive. It's very like, look at this while I'm doing this to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is happening over here. Look at this. But this is what's really going on. So we're not really paying attention to things that really can affect us. To me, a lot of this, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. It won't any, be any different. Like I, most of the people who are listening to this or just watching TV or whatever, it's not going to affect them at all. Like they have nothing to worry about in terms of that, that this happened. Because, okay, so if Trump had nothing to do with it, you mean to tell me somehow or another Russia's just like, we're going to get Trump elected and Trump had no clue? Like nothing? I think that there is... Like logic, as, just, as a yeah, normal human being. I think you can do that. I think, I think there is there is always a, a way where countries really want somebody and they will do whatever they can to make it happen. But that Trump did not know that. I think that Trump is too stupid well, Okay, so to let me say no. Yeah, to be a yeah. part of that. Okay. I, okay, honestly, <laughs> there might though, be people honest, around him. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So honestly, <laughs> Trump is a figurehead. We get that. So when we say Trump, we're talking about the world, everything that the comes Trump world. With. Right. So it's not just him. We Trump know is an institution. He's an institution. <laughs> There's people around him that are part of Trump when we right. say Trump. So they knew. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, this is be honest. Someone knew this was going to happen. Right. Well, if you can... Um, well, you prove got, it or not. You've got Roger Stone. You've got you've got um, when you in, in terms of just the WikiLeaks debacle in general, mm. you know that the sons knew about it. Yes. Not Eric. Eric was like, I don't want anything to do with that. But Don Jr. Jr. Definitely was in on definitely knew what was coming. They knew that people were trying to influence it to hurt Hillary Clinton. That does uh, it's it's knowing does not mean you, and I think this is what the, the the report is basically saying, having knowledge that things were nefarious does not mean that you personally did anything. So, okay, I get this. <laughs> let, let, let me make a, a uh, analogy. If this is the Olympics, 
Happy four years as well. We know Russia uh, always cheats. Now. Okay, right? So let's say that. <laughs> so we know a Russian judge is scores someone a bit higher than everyone else. That person doesn't get a medal. Whether they knew it or not, we take the medal away. That's And that's right then. We don't have to wait six months for some report. We don't have to wait, you know, that this person looked and then all these. They know right away. Mm-hmm. Why does this take so long? And, like, why do, why is he in, in office sure. if we know, we know Russia influenced the vote? Well, like, a, I don't, a, why are we waiting for this? A, there's no precedent for a redo of an election. Um, I don't think the Constitution allows that. I think the the way that the system is built, it does not allow that. Like, cause I think Democrats were like, let's just move on from that because there were people at the beginning being like, I, I, I think we should be redoing this whole thing over again. But at the same time, it would have destroyed the country. You're, you want to talk about civil war. Like if, if this report had come out, we and Democrats were moved on impeachment and it had been in the, in, in what we thought it was going to be Democrats would have moved so swiftly <laughs> On what well, next week would have just been all about impeachment, right? Yeah, or yeah. anything like that. And I think now we're at a point where we're like, well, where Trump supporters are like, well, we knew he did something. Like they would have been like, well, we knew that was coming. Right. So they how, didn't care. So, but we could not go back and redo an election. So, there, so here's the thing: there's been precedent before where something happened that was an absolute catastrophe that brought in policy. Nine eleven. Now, whether that was a causation that was someone or it just happened, we had huge policy changes mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. So my point is, if you want something to change that seems impossible to change, mm-hmm. you have a catastrophe. Sure. So um, Democrats have brought up um, legislation, H.R. Um, 1, for example, in the, in the House. It was their first bill that they put on the floor, which talked about election integrity and bringing all and and, and really focusing on um, how to uh, not let 2016 happen again. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, H.R. 1 was had a lot more going on in it, but part of that was election integrity. Um, Mitch McConnell's not bringing that up hmm. because, again, he wants to win. Right. He don't want anything that's going to keep him from maintaining his Senate majority. So it's less about why isn't when 9-11 happened, everybody was on board. Everybody's on the same page. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew that something needed to happen. Republicans know that something needs to happen. The only person, there's only one person that can stop a bill from hitting the Senate floor, and that is Mitch McConnell. And he has actively said that he is not bringing up legislation that is anywhere near that. You know, it took the House it was like 425 to zero the other day on whether or not they wanted the Miller report um, uh, public the house to get all, to get 425 house members to vote together. And there's, you know, is crazy. Wow. Republicans <laughs> and Democrats. Wow. Lindsey Graham in the Senate, they were going to bring it up in the Senate because, you know, to get to the to get to the president's desk, you got to go to the house. You got to go to the Senate. You got to go back to conference. Then right. they got to get to the white house. To get right. the, you know, Lindsey Graham shot that bill down in the Senate and was like, nope, we're not bringing that up. That's got it dead in the Senate. That means it'll never see the light of day after that. So that is the system that you're working right. in. Mm-hmm. And that is why you don't get the policy or anything like that that we expect to happen because you have singular senators who are shooting those down. Um, and, and whether or not it's Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell to save the president. You know, the only thing when Trump had a veto the other day, 
um, his first veto. Um, I don't even, I can't even remember what it was on. I want to say sanctions or something like that. I gave up Trump for Lynn, so I literally right. have no idea but, what's going on with him. But, you know, it was something that everybody ended up agreeing on, and that's what ended up happening. Right. And um, so I, I think that that is, that, that is the simple way of explaining why things aren't moving as fast mm-hmm. as they are, mm-hmm. because, you know, it takes 60 votes in the Senate to move major legislation. Um, unless it's within reconciliation, Google it if you don't know what that is. Um, and, and, or a single Senator can filibuster or kill a bill. And that's exactly what Republicans do all the time. So before we come to the end of the show, what do you expect to happen next with all this? Um, well, uh, the other part of that, so there's the federal investigation and then the Southern district of New York. Um, has its own set of criminal investigations that they're dealing with right now. Okay. The Southern District of New York, for those that don't know, is probably one of the most, if not the most powerful um, prosecutorial, prosecutorial um, sections of the country. Mm. It's where all the major cases really go through in terms of, on the East Coast, in terms of prosecution. Um, if you watch the show For the People, mm-hmm. uh, Shonda Rhimes' show, it is all about the Southern District mm. of New York um, and how powerful they are. Um, one thing that people may or may not know is that the Southern District of New York and any of those state's attorneys report to the Justice Department, report to the Attorney General, in turn report to the President of the United mm. States. Uh, they are appointees of the of, of the Justice Department, in turn appointees of the White House. Um, that does not mean that they will not do their job. It just means that I- if you look at the, the line – at the end of the day, they will always report to the White House, and and the Attorney General can dismiss a um, a state's attorney mm-hmm. at any time. Um, so, or, or district, or any of those, not a district attorney because they're from the city, but any federal attorney, any U.S. attorney, the U.S. Attorney's Office, not state's attorney, the U.S. Attorney. Um, so, in that case, Southern District of New York is going to do their job. If they find that there was criminal activity that was happening in New York. Um, great and they they that's what that's the next that's what's happening next mm-hmm. um in terms of that because trump can't touch anybody that a state has charged mm. he cannot pardon anybody that a state has charged um uh, and only the only person that can do that is a governor and in this case andrew cuomo is not yeah, none about that yeah uh, <laughs> the other part of that is Democrats are going to continue their investigations right. on in certain things, but I think they're right now with the information that we have, they're going to have to tread carefully because they also don't want to hurt our 2020 candidates Absolutely. and they don't want to make that the narrative. Trump right. now will use this narrative as often. He like, literally, he walked out on the white house lawn the other day, the press was out there, didn't even say hello. The first things out of his mouth. No collusion. No collusion. That's what he said. Didn't he say anything else? That's going to be his campaign. That will be wow. the next be year and a half next of half. campaigning. Yeah. Of Democrats wasted, not Democrats, the, because the crazy thing He's about He's going to blame it on the The crazy Democrats. thing about the whole thing is that his Justice Department appointed the special counsel, the special counsel, Robert Mueller, for all of his department is a Republican. Rod mm-hmm. Rosenstein is a Republican. James Comey was a Republican. All these people were Republicans, and this is where the investigation happened. So to blame it on Democrats is because it's because Democrats are talking about it. Yeah. So that's the problem. We just talk too damn much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe if we just 
let it happen. But that's the thing with his supporters. They don't know that this is all the Republicans are actually doing the investigation. They don't he, care. They hear Trump saying that it's, it's the Democrats. Democrats. Right. He's like, oh, well, yep. then it's the Democrats. Right. Yeah. Yep. And there was only yeah. like two or three Democrats out there talking about impeachment. Maxine right. Waters being one of them. Right. You know, and, and not for Maxine was talking about impeachment for a myriad of reasons, mainly <laughs> because she does not like him. Right. You know, but, um, you know, and, and that's why that new congresswoman, she got in trouble the other like a few weeks ago where she said, like, impeach the motherfucker. You know, like yeah, those yeah, things yeah. like, like yeah. those are. That's the narrative that Republicans want. Yeah, and and I don't sure. put I I, I you know I, I don't mean to use all Republicans. There are not there are a lot of Republicans who do not think like the Trump world. I mean Trump Republicans mm-hmm. also all because it is a different breed they of are Republican. Very, it's a different breed. It is. Um, you know they are definitely the tethered. Um, <laughs> us. us reference. Yes. Go see the but, movie. Uh, <laughs> definitely tethered to that. Wow. So like I think I think again I think for people out there it's gonna if you if you listen to the podcast slow burn. It will continue to be a slow burn, but mm. at the same time, don't be discouraged by these principal findings um, because there's going to be a lot more that we're going to obviously hear. But at the same time, focus on you know, what's next in terms of who you want to see get elected as president. Yes. Um, and, and don't let the noise, we're just so surrounded by noise all the time. That just like really focus on what you want and don't be focused about Donald Trump. Yeah, I I don't even think I follow Donald Trump on Twitter. I don't follow him, but I used but to go there pops. daily. No, I, he just pops up. <laughs> yeah, you don't have yeah. to. You know, yeah, 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 you don't have to. So like, don't get wrapped up in all yeah. of that. It's yeah. like don't get wrapped up in other people's drama. Mm-hmm. You know, or that's or, or their cancel culture. Mm, that's yeah, yeah, or their cancel <laughs> culture. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so like as you know, on every episode we end with a spotlight on a organization, community, person, whatever, whoever's doing good in this world. So, Carmel, who do we have this week? This week, we're going to spotlight the Yacht Girls Book Club, whose mission is to bring women together over intellectual conversations in a fun, adventurous setting, and reminding everyday working class women to take a break, enjoy girlfriend time again. And it started with just six women getting together, and now it's grown to several hundred women over the past few months and they just do a lot of great events they have organic networking events and a lot of it's just to have women come together and then just you know business minded artistic minded and just kind of do things that help them get back to you know like you talked earlier about relaxing yeah, yeah, and yeah. chilling but at the same time it's a lot of business happening so Yacht Girls Book Up check them out uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Yacht Girls Book Club. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, Drexel, we want to thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Where can the people find you and all your political rantings? At, <laughs> at Drexel Heard. I don't do as many political rantings as I normally do on Mostly on just it's, it's those group texts. It is in the group texts. <laughs> uh, you know, and every once in a while I show up on BBC Radio um, mm-hmm. as a political analyst as well. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun and, uh, I'm so glad I was here to talk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be back anytime to talk through schoolhouse. So I can schoolhouse rock at any time. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I think I still have the disc set of schoolhouse rock somewhere in my parents' house. Yeah, YouTube it. If you don't know what we're talking about, yes. maybe it's, you should make the outro music. I'm just a bill. Just in case. I, wow. I, I don't, I'm not going to pay for those. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I actually, sing your version. I can sing of my just version. Of yes. I'm just a bill. <laughs> uh, well, again, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at we need to talk the podcast and Twitter at underscore. We need to talk underscore. If you like what you're hearing and you are engaging in this conversation, Make sure you hit that subscribe button, comment, and rate on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. And if you have any comments, questions, or topics that you think that we need to talk about, make sure you hit us up on social media. 
All right. All right, now. Thanks, Drexel. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Drexel. Bye, guys. Y'all.